What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam, YouTube fam? Welcome to the first DFS Lab of Week 10, 2023. I am your host, JM to win from OneWeekSeason.com. I'll be joined in a moment by Keegan, KTM128. We will be opening up this Week 10 slate, talking through the slate a little bit, talking through a roster build, but primarily opening up our thoughts looking at some of the angles available on this slate and getting a sense of some of the strategies that might be in play on this particular week. So with that, let's get started. One week season. All right, Keegan, we are back. We're back. Ready for uh, a pretty fun week 10. Have you had a chance to dig into this slate much this week? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Um, before we dig into this week, last week, how'd you do? I had a uh, a profitable week. It was kind of in the in the category of of profit is profit, you know, as in like yeah. it wasn't exciting, but you won't ever complain about profit. I actually zero uh, percent CJ Stroud well, cut him out of my cut him out of my pool um, on Saturday night. I went from like potentially doing ten percent CJ Stroud down to not playing him. Yeah, kind of funny because last week on on the Winter Circle podcast, which again is the Wednesday strategy training podcast that I do for inner circle members. I talked about the importance of not latching onto negative data points as in like, you can always find negative reasons to not play a player. And I've had several times this season, cause you know, I'm pretty much a bubble player where I don't, I don't consume a lot of outside information, but this year I've been expanding to include a lot more outside thoughts and information. And ideally when you do that, you balance it off your own thoughts. Right. And you just like, gain some new insights, but then pull everything back to what you're seeing. But I've had a couple times this year where something negative that somebody said about a player led to me removing them from my pool. You get what I'm saying? Where you're like, yeah. where it's like, I like this, this, and this about this player. And then you hear somebody really sharp, say something negative about them. And you're like, okay, I hadn't thought about that. So you remove them and you can always come up with negative data points on a player. But if you're seeing positive data points, like yes, the negative ones are worth thinking about, but you also want to uh, strongly consider the positive ones as well. Cause this is just a reason why they might not hit, but there's these other reasons why they might hit. So this last week, uh, I talked about that last week on the Winter Circle podcast and like encourage users to not like latch onto negative data points. And then Saturday night, like I kept looking at that Bucks Houston game. I was like, man, this game could shoot out, you know? And and then I was looking at it. I was like, man, Tampa Bay had allowed a touchdown on 25% of red zone trips. And the second best defense in the NFL was like 45% of red zone trips. Um, and so Houston and, and uh, the Bucks, they both had all these games where they were piling up yards, but not piling up points because both teams were good at moving the ball, but not good at scoring in the red zone. And then these were two of the top red zone touchdown defenses. So it was like, I, I latched onto that and it was like, oh man, like both these teams are going to move the ball. There's going to be yards and whatnot, but uh, probably not the touchdowns. And so, um, so I ended up like latching onto that negative data point, moving off of those plays. But uh, Dak yeah, was my cool. highest owned quarterback. CeeDee Lamb was on 77% of my rosters. Uh, Noah Brown was like my fourth highest dollar investment at wide receiver. Um, I didn't have Dalton Schultz, but I had Cole Komet and I had uh, Jake Ferguson. So it was like those guys put up, you know, Schultz put up 30, but those guys put up like 23, 24. So, uh, you know, Dak put up 31, 32 and, and Stroud put up 46. So it was like I was behind the field, but those guys, the Texans guys weren't high owned. It was like 5% of people had those guys. Uh, and I was behind those people, but like not super far behind them. And then I had like enough things right that I was able to make up for it and just have a nice all around weekend. So yeah, not a, not a big weekend, but it was profitable 
yeah. Okay. How about you? What about uh, what about your weekend? You have fun putting floors in the house. (laughs) Yeah, I've been putting in floors. So those of you that don't know, we have concrete floors right now, um, and we're like renovating this house. And um, I don't know if anybody anybody is watching has ever put in flooring, but um, it's like so super difficult. You have to like get measurements and everything. You have to cut the pieces, and um, definitely more of a project than I thought it would be. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine that. So you guys are getting rid of the concrete floors. Yeah. Yeah, man. We're getting rid of the concrete. We have to take all of the um, baseboards out and lower them. So it's like level with the, the floors that we're putting in. Yeah. The, uh, the, I feel like the hardwood is a little bit more, more homey than the. Yeah, definitely. It makes the whole house look like so much cleaner. And we also didn't, when we painted the house, we didn't put in uh, like stuff on the floor. So just paint all over the concrete. <laughs> uh, also, not that, not that Miles is still like falling down, but still like having concrete floors with the, like we've got mm-hmm. concrete sta- stairs out front and I'm always terrified of yep. the kids falling down those. I feel like concrete floors would be. Like, yeah, we started scary. with his room actually. So Okay, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, shout, out to, shout out to Poppy for getting yeah. down on his hands and knees and putting putting flooring, flooring in at 70 years old. Dude is a G for that one. Appreciate Dude is a that. G. Shout out to Poppy. Um, we can probably do more pull-ups than I can. <laughs> <laughs> he talked about that when we were doing it. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was a little side tangent there, but, um, man, I, I was really hoping that you, you played the, the Houston game a little bit just because we talked about it and we looked over the, uh, the stats and how like projected, um, what was it? Passes like 7%. Oh, over. you're right. Like so almost 8% pass rate over expectation against the Bucks. Did, was that what we built on Wednesday last week? I think so. Yeah. Was last like week? Okay. Yeah, we had talked about that. Uh, I know that one of the, either this last week or the week before we built a Texan stack on the show and it might've been last week, but um, yeah, we definitely talked about, yeah. I mean, it was like, and, and that was the thing. That was why I was on Noah Brown and um, didn't have Nico Collins, which worked out. Um, and then it, like, I really wasn't thinking about tank Dell. And then on Saturday night, I was like, Oh, I should throw in tank Dell. And I was like, no, no, I'm just going to go with like no tank, no Nico, throw it all in on, on Noah Brown. That actually almost worked out because tank Dell got like the, he had 114 yards and two touchdowns, but a bunch of those yards and the touch, the second touchdown were on that last drive. But um, yeah, without that last drive, I, I would have had a, a pretty nice shot. At, Killer week. Yeah, because yeah. you know Dak then would have been like seven, eight points behind Stroud. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah Brown would have been the highest scoring wide receiver on that team, and I would have had a, a lot of him. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's you know it's one of those things where I said to uh, I said to Abby, I said to Cubs fan, like it's funny how you can put in so much work. And then like basically break even, you know, it was like profitable, but like minimally profitable and then feel really good. You're just like, man, like how awesome, because it isn't, it isn't easy to be profitable. It isn't easy to break even in DFS. So it was still like a good week. It felt good coming off of it, but yeah, looking forward to hopefully kind of taking like a step into bigger profit this week. So we'll see. Sweet. Uh, with that, let's get into this slate. Let's yeah. Up. So a pretty wide open slate, yeah. you know, like I, I think that there's some interesting trap spots as in, um, and so actually let me preface this by saying what I was, was saying before of like, don't latch on to negative data points. Right. Um, Cause I'm going to talk about reasons why some of these games could fail um, throughout this week, but this is, and it's also Thursday. So there's a lot of time for thoughts to develop, but like, I feel like Houston Cincinnati is the type of game that will draw attention, but then the Cincinnati defense has been, absolutely tremendous against really good quarterbacks. And so, um, you know, CJ Stroud, he put up, you know, 24 points, 22 points, 17 points, uh, and then this 46 pointer. And I feel like a lot of people will, will be kind of scared to miss out on another massive game. 
from CJ Stroud, whereas the likeliest outcome here is like another 17 to 22 point type game. And he's at this elevated price tag. Yeah. Uh, I think that's sort of game that could, could be a bit of a trap for people. Um, Ooh, yeah, jump in. Um, this happened last year. Uh, I had a, I had like kind of the same mindset with um, who was it? Uh, Fields. It was Justin Fields. I had this, this mindset last year where it, like he had a huge game and I was like, man, what are the odds he's going to do that again? And I was like, there's no way like his, his prices, his price tag has gone up. There's like no way this is going to happen. And then boom, like another 40 pointer right after that. And so it's like, yeah. Although I will say I had 50 over 50% fields the week that he hit. And then I had like 30 plus percent of him again, the, the week next after. week when he hit oh, and then man. was off in the next week. Cause there is a, there is a component of like, we can, we can understand like if we know these teams really well and these matchups and whatnot really well, we can't have a, a an understanding of like, you know, you and I weren't doing this show at that time last year, but um, we can't have an understanding of like how likely it is that a player is going to hit again, as opposed to just saying, can like, is it possible? Well, it is possible and it is possible. Right. But it's just like, it's not the likeliest outcome. And I think the field will kind of, um, and I could be wrong, but I think the field will kind of gravitate toward this spot. Um, Detroit and the chargers are really interesting one because people love stacking chargers games and <laughs> chargers games fail for people so often. And yet, People continue to go back to that. And, uh, you know, Detroit had this recent game against the Ravens where they gave up 38 points. So it's like, oh, man, the, the Detroit defense isn't that good. I feel like that could be kind of the mindset. Now, this is a game with a really broad range of outcomes. It definitely could shoot out. Last night I was building some uh, – I built a roster last night that was Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Jamison Williams, uh, and Quentin Johnston. Like, And I might have had, I might have had Austin Eckler on that roster too, like just throwing a ton of players – from yeah. this game just to see yeah. what that would look like. So there's certainly a pathway to this game being that type of game, but there's also a pathway to this game really underwhelming. And um, I'll probably, again, it's Thursday, but I'll probably attack that game as like a, an either or, right? Like either go heavy on it or avoid it on rosters. So like maybe this roster, I have like a bunch of players from this from that game. And then this next roster, I have no players from that game. And I think a lot of people will kind of hedge and have like the skinny stack with like Herbert and Keenan Allen and a bring back and leave it at that. Uh, you got thoughts on that? Um, yeah, you know, what's funny is like, it, like I have this game in my like writing, like in my notebook, but like at the same time, I've also been, like you said, hesitant because this game could have a low scoring outcome. Um, and that's, that's also like what I've been scared of. And, and what you just said basically is like, if this game is to go off, you probably should have a lot of pieces on there. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, you know, Utica is one of the, you know, been a, um, anybody who's been in DFS for 10 years, you should pay attention to their rosters because it means that they've been making money, right? <laughs> this is yeah. an endeavor that they're like, oh, let me stick around with this. But Utica has been, you know, a guy who you consistently see at the tops of the leaderboards uh, for a decade now. And he kind of swept a bunch of contests this last weekend qualifiers. I think he might have won the Millie Maker um won some other things if he won the millie maker it wouldn't wouldn't have been his first win i'm not sure if he won the millie maker but he won several other contests and what you saw was a lot of uh cj stroud plus three pass catchers on these rosters of his and and what you saw in my rosters this last week was a lot of dak plus cd lamb plus jake ferguson plus sometimes aj brown and deandre swift or just deandre swift or just aj brown but like or or goddard and aj brown but like these spots where you're saying especially last week where the games are all kind of clumped up and it was like, if one game shoots out at a higher level, it's actually okay to overstack and take like miss out on one of these plays, like get a play wrong because you're still like getting more right than the field. 
so I kind of see this game as like, if it goes to its upside, it could be one of these 38 to 34 games. And then the people who are like, I'm going to take the quarterback and wide receiver from this game. Like they're actually not going to win the tournaments. Cause it's going to be the people who are like, I'm going to take the quarterback and two wide receivers and a running back. And like, and just like throw a ton at this game and know that they might get one of these spots wrong, but they're going to get more spots right than the field. So uh, yeah, I see that as like a game that you kind of, Again, I, I don't want to like make definitive statements this early in the week, but right now I see that as the kind of game where you're like, I'm either going to go heavy on it or not go in on it at all. And, and not going on, the, on it at, at all doesn't mean like you can't play Quentin Johnson or Jamison Williams or or even like Austin Eckler, one of these central pieces, but uh, kind of go like really light or really heavy on that game. Um, then we got the Giants and the Cowboys where Cowboys open with an implied team total of 27. It's been bet up to 28.5. They're monster favorites. Uh, CD Lamb has a 44 pointer and a 32 pointer. And this is the sort of spot where you tend to see DFS players as, as a field say, oh man, like Cowboys are going to smash here, load up on Dak, load up on CD Lamb. And then what ends up happening is the team is smashing. So like CD Lamb has a hard time paying off that monster price tag because there's just not enough volume for it. So not to say that that will happen, but uh, that's one of the things I'm looking for is for him to be like more popular than he should be based on potential game environment and, and coaching tendencies and all that. Uh, and then you've got like, this one's really interesting to me. Well, I have two more that I'll throw out there that are really interesting. Uh, I mean, there's so many interesting games. Uh, let me quickly hit actually on three. Tennessee at Tampa. Uh, yes. You can't run against Tennessee. Teams haven't really biased toward the air against Tennessee this year, but Tampa knows that they can't run. So you know Tampa's going to pass. Uh, teams don't run against Tampa and yet the Tennessee offense tends to kind of play their typical style of play regardless of matchup. They're one of the few teams that's not like, hey, we can't run against this defense, so now we'll throw it a lot. They tend to still give the ball to Derrick Henry and, and play their style of play, but it could develop into one of these, these uh, like high pass volume types of spots, which opens up a lot of opportunity. Uh, you want to jump in on, on any thoughts on that one? Before we move no, on? I was just thinking the high pass volume on both sides. Um, that okay, and then so then rolling that over – uh, San Francisco, Jacksonville, both face uh, among the five highest opponent pass play rates in the NFL. So that's one of those spots similarly where both teams bias their opponents toward the air. And so uh, if both offenses are throwing the ball a lot more, that creates a lot more opportunities for explosive plays, a lot more opportunities for points to pile up. So, um, you know, San Francisco, what was it? Uh, they had this super long streak of 30 point games with Brock Purdy under center. Now they've lost three straight. They'd never lost with Brock Purdy, like playing a full game. Now they've lost three straight. They've had lower scoring. And I feel like the field is going to kind of not, not be off that spot, right? Christian McCaffrey will draw ownership. Debo Samuel is only 6,200. So people will look at him, but uh, I don't feel like people will just be loading up on that game. And uh, when you kind of zoom out and you look at what the 49ers have done in totality, it's like, oh, they could easily score 30 plus in this game and the Jags could keep pace with them. And this could be a really interesting game. Uh, and then Atlanta and Arizona with Kyler Murray back. And you can't really like Kyler Murray, you know, Granted, first game back from a long layoff. He's going to be a little bit rusty. He already, before the injury, he wasn't running nearly as much. He was trying to develop himself into this pocket passer type quarterback. Uh, and then first game back from the ACL tear, probably not going to be running Kyler Murray, but he is just a better quarterback for these pass catchers. Uh, and, you know, against an Atlanta team that's really good against the run. And so uh, could open up some passing there. And then Atlanta is certainly capable of scoring against Arizona. So that has kind of one of these games where, you could look up and it's like 37 to 31, 
where everybody's going to kind of look at it as one of these like low 20 types of games, which obviously very much could end up as one of those, but the, the upside is there on this game. So yeah, I see the slate as like, it's going to be harder to narrow down in my opinion. I, I think that there's not a lot of one-off plays that really stand out on this slate to yeah. me at least. Uh, but there are a lot of game environments with potential. And so for me, this is definitely going to be, uh, or shaping up to be like a game environment heavy week where my focus is more on like, okay, I want 25 rosters built around this game and 15 rosters built around this game. And like my rosters will be a lot more game environment focused than like individual player focused. So, um, so yeah, rather than trying to narrow down, like, okay, I'm going to tar target this game. It'll be like, Hey, here's five games that are all really interesting or six games that are all really interesting. I'm going to build, build around them in ways that would take advantage of this being the game that you had to have. So uh, yeah, really interesting week. Um, actually, as, as I'm saying that, like, could easily say like 150 rosters, you could easily say like pick six, six, six games and build 25 rosters a piece around like these six games, you know, like you could viably approach this week that way because there are different games that could shoot out. We didn't even mention Washington and Seattle, which is probably one of the most exciting ones. One, yeah. yeah. Um, a Seattle team that's very reactionary in the way that they call plays. And uh, we know this, right. You can look back over the last six, seven, eight years, like the number of, Seattle blowout wins or blowout losses is so small uh, because they always play to win in the fourth quarter. It's Pete Carroll's philosophy. And so uh, if a team is scoring points against them or being aggressive against them, they tend to open things up a little bit and you get these higher scoring games. So uh, we know Washington loves to pass the ball near the top of the league and pass rate over expectation. So if Washington is able to move the ball against Seattle and score some points, all of a sudden Seattle's responding against this bad Washington pass defense, that game becomes really interesting as well. So uh, yeah, just a really wide open slate, in my opinion, in terms of uh, the games that could shoot out and the different ways that you could viably attack this this slate with a plus EV set of rosters. So, um, yeah, let me toss it over to you and get some of your thoughts on these these games or this slate or anything off of off of what I was saying. Yeah. So that's those are like your specific thoughts on the slate. But do you think maybe the field is like thinking otherwise and maybe leaning like maybe too heavily on one specific game to where maybe like almost we should be fading that game or like, like a game that's maybe expected to be scoring higher than it probably will. Like out of a yeah. hundred times that game is not going to, it's going to score high 25 times. Yeah. I, do you have a game in mind as you're asking that? Yeah. Uh, Giants Cowboys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That would be probably, the game that I would be most likely to stay off of. Um, and every, you know, every sharp DFS player has a different approach. And for me, I'm almost never going to avoid a game or unless I'm making a mistake, I'm almost never going to avoid a game or a player just because they're popular. Um, and because of, because I want that to be part of my process, I typically don't know who is going to be popular until tomorrow morning. Friday morning is when I, first open up ownership projections for the first time. Uh, and, and really, again, that's not a heavy part of my process. So yeah, it's hard to say at this point, like what will be popular and what won't, because I haven't looked at any of that yet and listened to any industry talk around stuff. But um, yeah, I would imagine that that Dallas, I would, ima I would imagine that there's good potential that CeeDee Lamb sees over 15% ownership. I would imagine that there's good potential that Keenan Allen sees over 20% ownership because that's what people do with 
with Keenan Allen, who's almost 9K now. And I used to always preach against playing him when he was 7K because yeah. he was overpriced for his ceiling. And now he's 9K and everybody's going to want to play him. Uh, so I think there's a few spots like that that, you know, it's not like, and neither of these spots are like, like last week, um, Devin Singletary, I played him 0%. And that wasn't strategy, which which you ended up not playing, but Devin Singletary was like 25 to 27% owned. So that wasn't strategy. That was just me being like, what's a sharp player pool? And Devin Singletary made no sense to me as like a piece of my player pool, right? Because the Texans running backs were averaging 12 DraftKings points a game between two guys. And like the fact that Devin Singletary is playing against one of the toughest run defenses in football as the lead back, like doesn't mean he's going to have a 20 pointer. It just means he's getting more touches. Right. Um, So spots like that is one thing where it's just like, like I love edges like that where, Hey, this guy's going to be on a quarter of rosters and tournaments and he's just literally a bad play, right? Like I wrote in my notes on Saturday night this last week, I wrote uh, Devin Singletary is a bad play. And then I wrote uh, Demario Douglas is uh, a good play, but bad chalk. In other words, like Demario Douglas by the research was a good play, but like it didn't make sense for him to be 25% owned because his like his chance of hitting a like a tournament winning game were pretty low. Um, so I had like, you know, I had like 8% Demario Douglas and then 8% Juju Smith-Schuster to play off of that. Um, and then a bunch of Noah Brown to like be like, hey, who could significantly outscore Demario Douglas? Um, so there's kind of like the difference between like there's sometimes it's like, hey, this guy's bad chalk. He's not a bad play, but he's bad chalk. Um, and then there's the plays where it's like this is just a, not a good play, and that's what Devin Singletary was last week. So uh, I wouldn't put Keenan Allen and CeeDee Lamb into that like Devin Singletary bucket where you're like, oh, this is literally just a bad play, and everybody's on it. But uh, certainly like the chances of them going for a tournament winning game are, and again, I haven't looked at ownership projections, just thinking fields like the psychology of DFS players and how they tend to react to what recently happened and what they see. And I would very much expect both those players to be popular this week. And both those would be players that I'm going to certainly be underweight the field on. Um, CD lamb is like a little bit more interesting because Dallas. I, okay. So I've never, I I didn't roster CD lamb once last year because we know how much Mike McCarthy wants to run the ball. So since the start of last year, I've rostered CD lamb twice and it was the last two weeks. Um, and last week it was, that was so obvious to me. 77% of my rosters had CD lamb because you're playing Philadelphia. You know, you have to score points. You can't run against Philadelphia. CD lamb is going to be the central piece of the offense. Uh, but the week before that, it was, it was like, okay, they're coming out of the bye. The Rams have been scoring a lot of points. And a lot of times when you're facing a team that could score points, you start out with a much more aggressive game plan. And so I had just, you know, I had like eight or 9% CD lamb, not a ton, but it was double what the field had just thinking like, you know, the Cowboys could actually be more pass heavy in this spot. Um, now that we're two weeks into the Cowboys being more pass heavy, right? Like on the one hand, I look at it and I'm like, okay, I expected them to be pass heavy each of the last two weeks. And I don't expect them to be pass heavy this week. They should revert back to what they've been the last year and a half. But then in the back of my mind, it's like, but what if, during the buy, because it did come off the buy, right? So what if during the buy they were like, hey, you know, let's be more pass heavy. Let's be more focused through the air. Um, so I think there's just this sort of fringe outside chance that they stay aggressive early in this game against the Giants. And then, you know, maybe CeeDee Lamb gets 9, 10, 11 targets. But, um, but yeah, no, it, it's certainly like a way lower probability bet than the field is going to think in that spot. Okay, awesome. Um, you want to build a – lineup yeah let's build a lineup uh go ahead and pull up uh oh the, yeah, the, share my screen. yeah um yeah but tony pollard's an interesting one in that game right because they don't give the ball Somebody. to any other 
running backs. And uh, in terms of expected fantasy points, he's he's up near the top of the league. So it's like the the opportunity is there, and you'd have to think. I don't know. We've said this. You and I have talked about this on the show. Like I spent all year last year being like, eventually Tom Brady and the Bucks are going to have a monster game. And it like just didn't happen. Right. So just because you think something's eventually going to happen doesn't mean it will. Um, Tony Pollard's like advanced metrics in terms of broken tackles and missed tackles and all that. Like he's actually been a bad running back this year, which is, which is odd. But um, in terms of like touches inside the 10 yard line and, uh, opportunities for touchdowns and for big games, like everything is there for him. He has not been playing well this year. So um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a very, that's an interesting one to me that I'm still sorting through. His biggest game was against the giants. Yep. Yep. And it was still like pretty far below what you would want at his price yeah. tag, but yeah, which um, is crazy that he's priced that high. With these it is crazy. And especially cause his price was dropping. Like he was down to 6,800. Uh, is it, was 6,800 last week? Uh, here, scroll up so I can see what the, yeah, yeah. Price was uh, yeah, 6,800 yeah, $6, last week, and then uh, had another disappointing game. And they're like, "All right, we're bumping up the price playing the Giants." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's the running back's interesting, right? Because like you got Bijan Robinson in this great matchup, and um, all the negativity around his role, and yet the negativity is warranted. Like he, the guy doesn't get touches inside the ten yard line, inside the five yard line. Yeah. Tyler Algier gets all of those. Um, you know, I've watched most Arthur Smith press conferences since the, the start of last year. Like, he's not the kind of coach who, you know, last week we talked about how Shane Steichen on the Colts and Jim Bob Cooter on the Colts kept getting asked, asked questions about Jonathan Taylor. And it was like, oh, they're probably actually going to emphasize Jonathan Taylor this week, in part because of they keep hearing these questions about them. Like, Arthur Smith is not that kind of coach. He's the kind of coach who he's going to double down. If everybody's telling him he's making a mistake, He's going to double down and like <laughs> prove you wrong. Like, yeah. like no, Johnny Smith should get carries at the one yard line, you know, instead of Deshaun Robinson. So um, that's such an interesting one because, you know, the ceiling is so high. And even, you know, you look at his early games, he was putting up scores that three of his first four games scores that as price tag, you'd be pretty happy with 20.3, 24.2, 21.7. Um, so he could clearly do that again in this spot against Arizona. Um but then I'm like, well, can he put up 30? Can he put up 35? You know, can he put up like a tournament winner? Um, but then you got like, what else is available? You know, Rashad White's in a pretty bad matchup yeah. against Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's faced the fewest running back targets in the NFL. Not because they're tough against running backs. Uh, DVOA against running backs, they're, they're not like a dangerous defense against running backs through the air, but just because like you can throw to wide receivers against Tennessee. So why dump it off to running backs when you can throw it downfield? And then you can't really run against Tennessee. So not a great spot for him. Um, you know, Aaron Jones really looks good on paper, but then what's the scoring upside in this game? You know, probably Green Bay scores like 17 points, right? They score a couple touchdowns. So the chance of him putting up a monster game are pretty low. Um, Travis Etienne, you know, looks good on paper, but he's playing the 49ers defense. So the ceiling isn't that high. Uh, Eckler should get a lot of targets with no Josh Palmer, no Mike Williams, but he's playing the Detroit defense. So the chance of him putting up a monster game aren't that high. So yeah, I mean, it's just like, Running back kind of across the board is this muddled mess of like guys who look pretty good, but nobody looks great. So um, I could either have like a really, really, really small running back pool this week or like a really big running back pool this week. Yeah, my my running back pool is actually quite small. I don't even I had like haven't necessarily wrote, like written down or written down any um, cheaper guys yet, just because like I haven't done enough. No, yeah, I really haven't. I really haven't either. Um, 
but I, I, uh, Najee Harris is interesting. I mean, he's 4,900 and he's actually looked good. Um, but you know, that Jalen Warren's going to get like a chunk of the, the touches, right? It's not like Najee Harris can put up a 30 pointer or his chances of that are pretty low. Um, it's kind of the one guy who, who stands out a little bit among cheaper guys to me. Yeah, no, I, I did a practice run in the bank machine on Tuesday night and uh, my, my pool of running backs was three. I had three running backs. <laughs> That's why you running backs in my pool. Uh, but then I was going through like building some practice builds last night and like I was expanding to like eight or nine guys. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's an interesting week where you could literally just be like, let me pick three guys. Like, like Joe Mixon's not going to fail because he gets so much usage and Hey, he gets so much usage that he could finally pop off for one of his big games. Um Aaron Jones got, you know, 20 carries and six targets last week, which that's probably not happening again. But even if he gets 20 touches against Pittsburgh, he could hit. Um, I think my my pool was those two and Christian McCaffrey. Um, yeah. But then like last night, it was like I was building some rosters with Austin Eckler. I was building some with Pollard. I was building some with Etienne. I was building some with Deshaun Robinson, building some with Rashad White. So, yeah, it, it's definitely like uh, it's pretty tight, uh, you know, here at this running back pool where it was like I, I felt like those three that I said were like a little bit ahead of the other ones but then you're like well they're not really that far ahead of them so maybe it's just a week for a broad pool instead of a tight pool um yeah yeah, yeah it's a weird week weird week but definitely to me um I think running back feels like a, a barren desert this week when it comes to finding gold yeah well that, that's the other hard thing is you're like who among these guys is going to put up a 30 plus point score. Um, So you'd rather save that salary for wide receiver. And if you, but then also you don't want to like take the guy who gets 11 points, right? Like it's almost better to overpay and get 22, 20, like look at Christian McCaffrey's game log, you know, you throw out the 50 pointer and you're like, what are you paying for? You know, 28, 25, 22, 14, 14, 23, 29. Like if I'm, if I'm spending 9,200, I'm like 29 points. You're always, that's always a solid score, but like, you'd like a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's what we used to pay for Christian McCaffrey for was, or like the Cooper cup 2021 season where he was this price tag, but it was like, well, he's putting up 30 at minimum every week and he has these 40 point weeks. Right. And it's like uh, Christian McCaffrey is more like 20 to 30. And even going back to last year, since he joined the 49ers, um, you know, he's got a 34 pointer, a 40 pointer, this 51 pointer from this year, everything else has been under 30 points. Um, through you know basically a full season's worth of games now on the 49ers so yeah it's you almost kind of overpay for the solid score or you hope to strike gold but also let's go over to wide receiver right because um if you say like well i'd rather pay up at wide receiver but then you're like okay keenan allen um let's not even get into into that but you know um, (laughs) the chances of him putting up a 30 plus point score are just fundamentally low um yeah, i feel and like- then then jamar chase has the back injury we don't even know know if he's going to be playing uh if he is like who knows how effective he'll be cd lamb we already talked about that with like the game flow doesn't really yeah. work in his favor uh amon ross St. brown is is kind of like og keenan allen in that like the it, you know he hits for ceiling more often than keenan allen used to but it's still like you're really paying for this the fact that it's 19 18 22 16 26, 19, like it just looks so good when you look at it because all kind of high teens, low 20s, but it's like he's not getting you these 35 to 40 point games, not putting up Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill ceiling games. Yeah. Um, 
And so this isn't to like say that I'm not going to Amon Ross St. Brown or he can't put up 30 this week, but it's just like when you're thinking through it, it's like, well, I want to, I don't want to spend the salary for 25 points of running back because I want to save it for wide receiver. And then you're like, well, what am I spending for wide receiver? You know? Um, yeah. And then, you know, Mike Evans got the ceiling, but the inconsistency, Brandon Ayuk has the ceiling, but the inconsistency, DK Metcalf, like you get into that group of, of players. And that's one of the reasons why I think this is a good week for game, game focused bets. Cause then instead of like thinking from that angle, mm-hmm. you can instead say, well, I'm going to stack the 49ers. And so um, I'm going to play Ayuk and, and Debo and Purdy and not worry about like the math on these plays and just say like, I'm betting on this offense blowing up. And then you build another roster where you're like, I'm betting on this offense blowing up because then kind of take some of this thinking out of the equation and just gets you on to uh, the spots that could end up hitting. Like, I don't want to play DK Metcalf as a one-off play because he just, he's not good on paper, a good play, right? Like I think he has one game with Geno Smith since the start of last year of, of 28 points. And that's his best game with Geno. Um, this is a high price tag to pay for a guy who's hit 20. <laughs> you no. Know? Um, oh my God. But then it's like, then it's like, well, but he can, you know? And so then yeah. if you play it in a game environment where you're playing Geno and or you're playing Howell and you're playing McLaurin and you're playing Logan Thomas and you're playing DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba, then it kind of starts to make a little bit more sense. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not many one-off plays really stand out to me this week, but a lot of game environments stand out as, high potential game environments. Um, DeAndre Hopkins stands out as a one-off one-off play because, you know, there's going to be some passing volume and Will Levis has really latched onto him. Um, yes. I love that. I have him on my um, my paper and um, I was actually really looking at that game environment specifically. Um, I'm kind of like heavily towards that game right now, but what do you think about um, Vikings-Saints game? Uh, probably one of the lower shootout probabilities, um, on the slate. And then even if it shoots out, you know, you've got Derek Carr getting touchdowns stolen from him, Alvin Kamara getting touchdowns stolen from him. Um, yeah, I look at it as, you know, it's definitely in the bucket of like interesting games, but against, and, and let, let's say, say it like this, right? Like Minnesota and new Orleans players, they don't know that there are six more interesting games on the slate than theirs. And they're, yeah. so they're like, okay, so we just won't outscore those games, right? Like, so <laughs> the chances of this game outscoring all the other games on this slate are really low, mm-hmm. but like, it still is within the realm of possibilities. So um, yeah, that's been one that, yeah, I, I would guess similar to you where it's been like, oh, this game is actually kind of interesting. Um, but then I don't want to sink like a bunch of rosters into a game yeah. that has only thin pathway, pathways to hitting when you've got all these other games with like much higher pathways to hitting. Did you get to watch any of the Josh Dobbs? Yes. That was awesome. Um, I was like, I'm going to shave my eyebrows in my head. And be- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Man. Kevin O'Connell would call in the plays and then he would like Dobbs would relay the, the plays in the huddle, relay the play in the huddle. And then as like, he was walking the line. Kevin O'Connell was still in the earpiece, like telling him like how to manipulate, like where to look to manipulate the safeties and where different wide receivers were going to be and like uh, what to watch for from the defense. Like it was just like a total collaborative effort throughout the day. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and you know cool what's crazy? I don't know if you remember this, but last week you actually had mentioned um, 
you said two other quarterbacks had done this. You said Baker and then um, somebody else last year. And you're like, Dobbs. it was Dobbs last year with Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, you're like, it was, it's totally possible. It's like within the realm of possibilities um, that he comes in and he plays. And he, yeah, good. I kind of thought it would, I kind of thought that maybe we would get like a Saturday report that he was starting as opposed yeah. to yeah. him coming in via injury. But it was cool to see him come in and, and do so well. Um, yeah. Didn't, didn't help. You know, I didn't have a ton of Addison, uh, had some Hawkinson, didn't really help those guys. It's a tournament winning score. It was sure fun to watch. Yeah. Um, all right. So given everything we've talked about, where do you want to start this roster? I mean, I don't think there's any wrong answer this week um, in terms of picking any of these games we've, we've hit on. And I think that we, you know, very much focus on picking a game and telling a story of that being like the game that shoots out or, or a, one of the games that shoots out. So um, yeah. Where do you want to, where do you want to go with this one? I'm really leaning towards the Titans Bucks, um, but we can go elsewhere. If no, 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 let's do it. I like it. Um, do you want to go Baker or you want to go Will Levis? I want to go Levis. Okay. So let's grab Levis and pair him with D Hop. Boom. That's cheap. Love it. And then I think, you know, we got to tell a story, obviously, of them taking to the air in this one, right? We got to yeah, tell a story of them saying, like, Either the Bucks are scoring points and so they're taken to the air, or like Henry's getting shut down and so they take to the air. So we'd love for it to not just be Levis to Hopkins, but also add in one other guy. The great thing about adding in one other guy, one of the things I love about offenses like this is, and we have this with Seattle this week with Jackson Smith and Jigba. You have this with the Chargers this week, or or that Chargers Lions game. Actually, both sides of that game with Jameson Williams and Quinton Johnston is. Typically, you're going to take a shot on like a, a sub 4,500 player, right? You're going to end up taking a shot on the sub 4,500 player uh, on your roster. And so if you can tie it into the game environment, then it's that much better because uh, if the game environment takes off, like it's looped into that bet. And so it might not be this great play in isolation, but uh, has this upside. So uh, last week, you're looking at Nick Westbrook-Akini, but last week, Kyle Phillips had five targets and uh, went four for 68. Uh, not sure how much you know about Kyle Phillips, but he was a rookie last year, slot guy, um, was getting a ton of hype in camp. And then I believe ended up being like inactive for the beginning of the season and then got injured, I think is what happened. But um, and then as you see, a lot of a lot of games this year, I don't, e don't even know if this is inactive or injury, but he is one of these guys like um, like a Braxton Berrios where, you know, when they actually get opportunities, they get open enough and catch some passes. Um, so Kyle Phillips is interesting. Chigo Conquo is interesting. Uh, I think he's seen like four to six targets each of the last uh, few games. I've, I've built a practice build with uh, Chigo Conquo last night. Uh, you know, I think he's a viable tight end play this week. Uh, let's see, six targets, four targets last week, six the week before, uh, four the week before that, nine the week before that. So, um, yeah, that's it. Kind of sucks that his um, like points don't correlate with the amount of targets he's getting. Um, yeah, but. Because of that, people aren't going to play him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of the spot. I mean, we saw Chig last year hit some big plays, and uh, he's certainly capable of working downfield and picking up big gains. So, um, and he's 3K, you know? So it's like a lot of people are going to take shots on cheap tight ends that don't hit. So if he's our cheap tight end who doesn't hit, we're even with all those other rosters. But if he hits, it's part of this game environment going off. And so he ends up being a really nice play. So, um, yeah, I would be fine with honestly, any of those three, Nick Westbrook, Kikini, I haven't looked at his snap count from last week, but, um, in fact, I guess I could 
do that right now. Um, any thoughts on on those guys? Yeah, I definitely want to play um, one of them in this game environment. Like we said, we want um, to be really heavily in a game that we're going to play. So I just don't know which one I want. <laughs> he had one target last week, two targets the week before. Who's this, Nick Westbrook-Akini? Yeah. Okay. So maybe we'll go with – So Kyle Phillips only played 22 out of 58 – no, 22 out of 74 snaps last week. Chigo Conkle played 54 out of 74. He ran around on 40 out of 49 pass plays. Uh, he, he ran around on 40 pass plays. Hopkins ran around on 42 pass plays. Uh, Traylon Burks was next up with 27, and obviously Traylon Burks injured – this week. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, it's like Chig and Chig and, um, and Hopkins are the lead dogs in terms of being involved in the passing attack. Uh, so I don't think we can go wrong with that approach, but then, you know, also Nick Westbrook, Kikini has the downfield role, can hit for big plays, going to see low target count, I'm sure. But, um, you know, you could, you could justify playing that play. Um, I do think it's interesting too, to pay attention to like, you know, Levis, new quarterback, Who's he comfortable with? Who is he throwing to? Obviously Hopkins as the alpha, but um, looks like uh, Nick Westbrook-Kikini and also Traylon Burks when he was in weren't, weren't really seeing targets from Levis. So uh, yeah. I like this setup right here. And um, obviously we save a lot of salary too, right? We're just, we, we have a pretty wide open opportunity yeah. before us and how we want to play this. Um, Which I feel like we, we definitely need with um, the running back position. Yeah. I mean, this gives us the flexibility to go, I mean, uh, depending on what we do here next, but like we, we could end up having the flexibility to go Eckler and Christian McCaffrey, you know what I mean? Like we'll, we'll have mm -hmm. that type of opportunity or Christian McCaffrey and, you know, Joe Mixon, uh, Aaron Jones, Bajan Robinson, one of those guys. Um, what do you want to do for our, our bring back here? Man, I was looking at Mike Evans, but uh, what about Chris Godwin? So he's gets six, seven, 12 targets, uh, seven, 11. I mean, he's getting consistently a decent amount of targets. Uh, yeah. He's consistently seeing the targets. Obviously the, the issue is not a lot of downfield work, not a ton yeah. of upside, but also just cause we haven't seen it yet. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Right. Like this is very much Evans and Evans and Godwin don't, appear to me right now to be players and i'm going to go out of my way to play as one-offs at their price tags because you know evans has gone what one game above 20.2 this year and yeah. godwin has gone um no games above 22.4 and only one game above 17.8 so it's like at their price tags they're really not great plays but if you're playing them as part of this game environment you can kind of take price tag off right because then you're just saying we're betting on this game shooting out. And then it really doesn't matter which of these guys you play because it could be Godwin who sees, you know, Godwin has one touchdown catch all season. So all of a sudden he has a two touchdown game and that's a totally different story in, in what his uh, output looks like. So um, Evans had like what, one forty-five pointer last year, I think it was, or was it like, a... I mean, it might have even been more than that, but yeah, he had one monster game last yeah. year. Um, I mean, it's yeah, hard. Evans, Evans has more of a downfield role. Obviously, the targets are going to be lower. He has uh, three games with 10 targets. And then his next highest game is eight targets. Uh, next highest game is five targets, three targets. Whereas Godwin's going to see all these double-digit target games because it's a, lo a lot more short area work. But yeah. um, So you know, what does Baker prefer to do? Um, like, does he like the short field? Or I guess it's, it's up to the coaches, isn't it, really? No, I mean, it, it's up to the 
coaches is up to the defense it's up to baker but uh i would say fundamentally like we've talked about this right with canalis the goal is to for the entire offense to run through these two guys so um i would i would call mike evans the one a in this offense and chris godwin the one b um yeah i mean let's throw let's throw evans in here because godwin could put up a 30 pointer but godwin can't put up a 45 pointer um whereas evans can put up a 45 pointer so um if we're going to bet on this game environment, we can bet on it in, a, in such a way that we're saying, hey, like, where could we get this monster type of output? Um, also, you could, you know, if you wanted to go a different direction, you could build this roster with Trey Palmer and just say, um, you know, fill in another one of these cheap wide receiver spots with the guy who, you know, could hit for a big play. So Trey Palmer, three for 51 last week, three for 22 the week before, a few weeks ago, two for 47, you know, speedy guy, downfield roll. Um, not going to see a lot of targets, but he's only 3,200. So that's another way that you can kind of play this game. He's the number three wide receiver on this team. Not a lot of schemed work, but he's going to get a couple shots each game. But um, but I like this setup for this one with the Levis, Hopkins, Chig, Mike Evans. And yeah. this kind of is it, – it's a sense of what a lot of my rosters will look like this week where uh, – or what, what I expect a lot of my rosters to look like this week where it's more like, okay, let me pick a game, build around it, and build around it in a few different ways as opposed to trying to isolate like – top players on the slate uh, that said we do now have to pick some some players so um, a yeah. couple ways we could do it we could actually just pick a second game to focus on you know like we could say hey let's get jackson smith and jigba and terry mclaurin or something like that right or um, tyler lockett and Jahan dotson uh, we could pick another one of these games um you know uh, pick pick a lions and and chargers player and since this is kind of a game environment type week i don't mind approaching things that way i think a lot of my games will have kind of correlated secondary setups but um we could also kind of just go a different direction and pick pick one-off plays so what are you thinking here um i feel like if we're gonna do that maybe we should try and get um Bijan robinson uh okay so if we if we do a second game i would like to have him as one of our running backs cool cool why is that um he's he's cheaper but he still has that ceiling uh possibility like you said though i mean they haven't been giving him uh, the touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows, right? Like, uh, again, it's, I've never sat down and had a conversation with Arthur Smith. Right. But like um, there is, you know, you get to know these guys pretty well from listening to them week in and week out. And he is a very, I mean, I love Arthur Smith, not, not as like, I wouldn't want him to be the head coach of my team. He's just, he's so much fun to listen to because he's always yeah. dunking on, like he's always dunking on social media film watchers and dunking on pro football focus and like uh he's just you know he's pretty blunt in the stuff he says but um he is the kind of guy who's gonna be like everyone's complaining about me not using Bajan robinson i'm gonna keep not using Bajan robinson <laughs> uh yeah. but at the same time you know like there it part of what he has said is true of like you know there were there was this play that was called for Bajan robinson but the defense showed us this so they checked out of it and did this instead and then there was this play that was you know, designed to go to him and it, this happened. So it went a different direction. And, um, you know, there's going to be that game where he gets 20 touches again and scores two touchdowns. So, uh, no, I, I like, I like the Bajan Robinson play. And I think that people will be wrestling with what to do here to, enough that, um, you know, it, it's not like he's going to be 30% owned this week. I think he'll, he'll end up, he always gets some ownership, but probably in like that 14 to 19% ownership range. So, um, yeah. yeah, sharp play, and we have such a different starting point than the, from the field that we don't have to worry about who's popular and who's not. We can just say like who can get us the most points. Um, yeah, because so. 
I, I was wanting to go the CMC route, but if we're, I feel like if we're going to target another game, we have to maybe um, be median with our salary. Yeah, and there is certainly, you know, there there is because of Quentin Johnston. Um, well, let me say it like this. Um, pull up all these numbers. Jalen, uh, not Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert has three games this year of 40 pass attempts. And um, and in two of them, Mike, two of them, Mike Williams is playing. Um, all three of them, Josh Palmer was playing. And uh, one of them, Mike Williams was out. Josh Palmer got hurt, but like still played most of the game. And in that one, Quentin Johnston saw six targets. So I do feel like people are going to look at Quentin Johnston and be like, oh man, this guy just like, he's not developed, which he's not developing, but like, oh, and they're just not using him because what last week he had two targets, I think it was. Um, but also Herbert didn't throw the ball much. And so uh, I do think that, I do think we kind of see this spot where Quentin Johnston sees six or seven targets. Um, I do think there's potential for Jamison Williams to see six or seven targets. Uh, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba should once again see six or seven targets. So there are cheap guys that you could go with as part of kind of these secondary uh, correlated pairing, these secondary game stacks. Um, they could free up salary, right? We could go and watch receiver and, and JSN or Quentin Johnson and, and uh, Jamison Williams, or we could go Quentin Johnson and Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, like there's yeah. – um, there's different ways we can pull this. It, it'd be pretty tight, I feel like. I guess we still have to do defense, don't we? So Yeah, we still have defense. And so, you know, if we go Cowboys at 4,400, then, then you know, we're kind of tight at running back. But if we skip the Cowboys and just go to, you know, one of these cheaper defenses, which um, – Yeah, the, the Browns are interesting, right? Because Lamar Jackson does make mistakes. He does fumble the ball. Um, you know, last week, last week I felt so smart because I was like, oh, man, like – why am I picking on good quarterbacks with my defenses? Uh, let me just play the Raiders against Daniel Jones and let me play, uh, you know, I played some Giants against Aiden O'Connell, which didn't work out, but played a lot of Browns against Clayton Toon and, and played like, like there were so many bad quarterbacks on the slate last week. And then you fast forward to this week and it's like, oh, well, you don't have that this week. You, know, you have, yeah. you've got um, Tommy DeVito for the Giants and that's kind of it, right? So um yeah, if you move away from that, you are picking on better quarterbacks, but there are like, you know, there is, um, well, I guess these price tags are still really right in that same range. Uh, you got the the Steelers taking on Jordan Love. Uh, you got the Saints taking on Josh Dobbs. You've got um, ba -ba -ba, Tampa Bay taking on Will Levis, which you won't focus on in this roster, but that's a viable defense. So yeah, I mean, I'm like a little hesitant to go Cleveland against, Lamar Jackson on the road and yet they still probably get you like six to eight points. The fear is what happens if the Cowboys put up 20 plus points. Um, yeah. You know, but that's kind of got to be part of the equation this week. Um, Cincinnati, you know, Stroud doesn't take a lot of sacks or throw a lot of picks, but if you look through Cincinnati's game logs, a lot of these against really good teams, right? Like what is this? Their worst game was five points against Tennessee. Their second worst game was six points against Buffalo and Baltimore, uh, then seven points against Cleveland. So like paying 2,900 and, or 2,800 and knowing you probably get around six, seven, eight points, uh, that's a viable way to go. So um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different directions to go at defense this week. Cowboys are the most obvious. Um, I'm, I'm actually totally fine with going with the Bengals. I actually compare them um, a lot, like inequality to the Browns. So if yeah. we're on, I'm totally fine with that.
Yeah, and you know, ten point three um, uh, defense special teams points per game for both uh, for uh, sorry for the Browns nine uh, defense special teams points per game for the Bengals. So not a lot separating these two teams in terms of um, you know what they put up in that department, and the Bengals haven't gotten to play Clayton Tune yet either. So um, look at that phrases too. We got the perfect Tony Pollard. That's pretty nice. It's a yeah. pretty nice way to go. Take it. Uh, and you know that honestly, that plays off of the the no like you could play Pollard with the Cowboys defense and call it correlated. Um, but realistically, like if the Cowboys defense is putting up a monster game, you know, where they're scoring touchdowns, then that limits the upside for Tony Pollard. So um playing Tony Pollard almost says like the Cowboys have a solid game on defense, but not like a monster game where they're um getting safeties and scoring touchdowns and all that. So um that's pretty sick, pretty sick roster there where you get the upside on um well, I mean, shoot, all these guys, like if Levis can put up 25 points, right? And then he's supporting John Ray Hopkins and, and Chig. Um, could those three combine for 80 points? Yeah, they can. And then Bijan can score 25 plus, Pollard can score 25 plus, uh, Mike Evans can score, and, and Pollard's capable of putting up like a 40 pointer. Evans is yeah. capable of putting up a 40 pointer. Um, Quentin Johnson can score 20 in this role. Amon Ross St. Brown could put up 30 to 40 pairs well with Quentin Johnston. So um yeah, really good roster. Really like it. Um yeah, me too. Any I feel like we had a good good conversation, like good development of thoughts on this slate today. Uh, yeah. any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um no, if you guys have any questions, uh ask in the comments. There you go. Um as always, this is not us telling you who to play. This is Thursday. Uh we are early in our week, but um it's an opportunity for us to talk strategy, for us to talk through some of these games. And again, a really interesting slate. So I think good conversation today that hopefully helps both of us kind of move forward in our, in our thoughts and keep preparing for the week. Um, with that, we will go ahead and get out of here. For Keegan, I'm JM. We will see you on one week season throughout the week. We will see you at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday.